Well, wasn't that my all-time favourite? Um, my all-time favourite meeting is the baptismal service. And what great testimonies too! And, uh, and they're all getting changed. But wouldn't it be great if they heard a great cheer, a great applause for them all again? Let's really give them that now. It's just amazing! Wow, wow, that is really, really great. Uh, really enjoyed being today. I had a great time here this morning in, in this church and then to see all three churches together. Really, really good. One thing, just one bone to pick. Uh, it did say, um, welcome to United and I'm a Manchester City supporter. <laughs> so it's very difficult for me to receive that. How many Manchester City supporters are in? I thought so. Nobody. I'm the only one here, you see. It's like being a Christian in the world, isn't it, sometime in its support. Really, really good to be here. Well, I came off the plane. Um, I was coming down the, the aisleway when I was coming here, and I saw uh, WH Smith, and they had a, uh, a stand, and it had uh, everything you need to know about the iPad. Everything you need to know. Just one problem, it's out of date. Because since that was published, there's a new iPad. And so... In only one month, the magazine's out of date. The Bible, on the other hand, has not been revised in 2,000 years, and it's still the greatest book in the world. And uh, it's changing people's lives all the time. It's the biggest seller. And it doesn't need to be revised because it's more than up to date. Because in the Bible, it's got prophecy. And prophecy is God speaking into our world and telling us what is going to happen in the future. And hundreds of prophecies that God's talked about have already come to pass. And some of them haven't yet come to pass, but they will very soon before Jesus returns. In other words, it's not that the Bible is out of date, it is the world out of date trying to catch up with the Bible. And God speaks in amazing ways through his word. And what will happen is when those who have been discipled and they've, they've come out of the waters of baptism now, that's a picture of dying to an old life. It's a picture of a grave, really. Dying to an old life in which we were in the driving seat and we were in control. And when we come out of the water, it's a picture of being risen to a new life in which we put Jesus in the steering, given Jesus the steering wheel of our life. And that's the only way that really we can find real peace and satisfaction in our world. Because when we try to rule our life ourselves, we really do mess up. And that's why one of the texts that were given there is Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. I think it was the last person who was in. It says, in all our ways acknowledge him and Jesus, God will direct our paths. Now the Bible was inspired by, by God and many men throughout history. In fact, over 1,500 years of history, God spoke to different people and they wrote down what God said. And uh, altogether that becomes the inspired word of God, which is God's word into our world. And, and you know, and that's great. And we said the Bible is very, very important. But Jesus himself never wrote a book. But there are times in the Bible when God writes, and God writes when he does in the coolest of ways. How many people know we have a cool God as well? God is concerned about, he's relevant in every area of our life. And the first time that God ever wrote anything, he wrote it in laser. Can you believe that? And we read it, Moses wrote about it in the book of Exodus. And he'd gone to, he was leading two million people out of slavery. People who were hurting and they'd cried unto God and says, God, you know, we're in a terrible condition. We're getting beaten up and we got, we're powerless people. And, and there are times in all our lives when we feel pretty powerless. Sometimes we feel teachers have more power than us or, or we might feel that parents have a lot more power than us. Well, these people were really powerless and they called unto God and God sent them a deliverer in Moses. But then they wanted to know, how do we live the life that we're committed to? How do we really serve God? And we've got no structure even of society. 
So Moses went up into a mountain, he met God, and this amazing finger of fire comes out of heaven, and it writes in the stone what we know, we would call it PowerPoint today, but it was really PowerPoint. It was the laser, God wrote in laser, in rock, and he wrote things like, thou shalt not kill, you shalt kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, uh, honor your parents. And so those things that God wrote with his finger, they became the law. That became... Almost an instruction, guidelines, how we should live our life. The problem with rules is sometimes we can't keep them. You remember what it's like when we get to, a, um, you know, just a couple of months ago, making resolutions, new resolutions for a new year. And sometimes the intent is there, but we just can't do what we want to do. In fact, the next time God writes, he writes, not, he writes in graffiti. The first time anybody's recorded doing graffiti, it was God. How many people know that? Is that a revelation today? It was. There was an amazing, well, it was a party going on. And this king um, called Belshazzar, in the book of Daniel, we'll read the story. And God had given his law a long, long time earlier, but people kept breaking it. And he would send prophets. They're a bit like pastors in a way. And they would say, look, you're breaking God's law and you're not happy. If you want to be happy and fulfilled and, uh, and live right, then you need to obey God's law. And they tried to do it, and sometimes they did, and sometimes they didn't. But even when they did, they stopped doing it again. And so God had written with his finger in laser, and so now he goes into graffiti, and there's this great big palace, and they've gone into the temple, which is a bit like church, really, and they've taken all the, um, all, all the cutlery, and they've taken all the, the gold pots and all the, all, all the expensive utensils, and instead of worshipping God with them, what they did, they ended up just having a party, and the party was wild, it was way out of hand, and there's some things going on that were really, really terrible. And the king was really, you know, I'm in charge. Nobody's more important than me. And then right, right there, the finger of God comes again. The same finger that wrote the rules. He then wrote, and it's wrote in really strange language. And actually, it was really graffiti. In fact, graffiti is not just spray cans on a wall. That's how we think of it today. Graffiti really is an art form. And places like in Italy, you can go and find where there's thin base plaster of one colour and somebody inscribes either words or beautiful pictures and as it goes in it gives another base colour and that's where we get our word graffiti but the first person ever to do it was God and he writes on the wall these strange words mene mene tekle you farsin bit strange that isn't it I mean so God but that's what God wrote and so they brought somebody in and so we don't understand what this is the Bible says Belshazzar was so scared his knees smote one to another you know, he was really, you know, he, he was really, really scared because he realized God was unhappy with all the laws that he'd broken. So they bring in Daniel, and Daniel says, yeah, actually, uh, I can interpret this for you. And he began to interpret it. And it was really, the last time I wrote, you remember God wrote the law and the rules, and then it was broken. And now he says, you're weighed in the balances, and you found that you don't come up to standard, you're found wanting. And uh, he just mentioned, says, what's going to happen is your kingdom, which you've got, God's going to judge you and he's going to divide your kingdom between the Medes and the Persians. And in your own Bible, you can read about that and you read about it in Daniel chapter 5. So the first thing God does, he writes in laser and he gives us the rules. Then he writes in graffiti and he says, you've broken the rules, you're in trouble. But you see, there we go again. If we have rules that we can't keep in our own strength, we need God's power to help us to overcome that. And they didn't have the Holy Spirit like you and I've got when we get born again that comes into our life. That came a lot later. But God wanted to express 
to his world. Not only they should keep rules and they shouldn't break rules, but he wanted to express that he really loved them. And guess what the next thing God writes? He's used laser. Now he uses, now he uses graffiti. The next thing he does is tattooing. Is anybody surprised that God's, t- is anybody surprised that God's tattooed? Come on, any honest people in there? Well, that's what, it's, it's incredible. And so the next time God writes, because it says in the Bible, and some of you are looking at me as if to say, I don't think that's in the Bible. It is in the Bible. It's in Isaiah chapter 49. You know, when some people have tattoos, they might put the name of the girlfriend on or the boyfriend. Do you know what the problem with that is? If they get a different girlfriend or boyfriend, it's a bit of an embarrassment, isn't it? And because they think, wow, I wish that wasn't there. Can't get it off now. You know, I, and God says, I love you so much, my people. He said, I have engraven you. I've tattooed you on the palms of my hands. And that meant, you know, if somebody really loves someone and said, where would I put the tattoo? If I put it on my shoulder, I don't, I'd probably forget if it was on my shoulder unless I was having a shower and I haven't got any mirrors in my shower, so that wouldn't help. I could put it on my arm, but I don't always look at my arm, but I always look at my hands. In fact, when I get in the wash in the morning, you know, first thing I do, wash my face, and the first thing I see is my hands. And God says, I love you so much, even though you break my laws, because how many people know everybody in the world has broken God's laws? I certainly have. The Bible says everybody's sinned and fallen short of God's standard. That what he wrote with laser, we've never kept. Nobody in the world has ever kept God's standard except Jesus himself. Nobody. And, and so first thing that God does, as I say, he gives the law. Then he writes in graffiti and says, hey guys, you've broken my laws. But then he says, I want to write again. I want to write and say, even though you keep messing up, I still love you. And I don't just love you, I've actually got your name written on my hands that every time I move, I think of your name. Do you know something? I don't, I don't know, and most people I don't know here, I don't know what you're going through. You might have had some really tough times. In fact, some of those testimonies, some people already have had tough times. Don't have to wait to grow up. Don't have to wait till they're old as I am, which is fairly old, right? Before you have tough times. Some people have had tough times before they got baptised. And other people have messed their life up sometimes. Sometimes we mess our own life. How many people know God loves us in all of that situation? I've engraved you in the palm of my hands. And that's how he talks to those that he loved. In fact, in the New Testament, it says the most famous verse in the Bible. Anybody knows what that might be? John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him, that means you and me, wouldn't have to perished wouldn't have to be punished for the bad things that we do because jesus has given himself for us in fact the remarkable thing is now there's only one man-made thing in heaven only one man-made thing in heaven do you know what they are they're the marks in the hands of jesus we know that because when he returns the bible says we'll see the nail prints in his hands and the nail prints stand for where our name was because that what held him initially to the cross. But it wasn't actually the nails at all. It was his love that held him to the cross. Because he could have got off the cross and said, I'm not dying for the world. Jesus takes our punishment on the cross. So that when we mess up, if we confess that and say, Lord, I can't run my life. I keep breaking the rules. But would you come into my life? Because you say you love me. And do you know what? If you'd been the only person, or if I'd been the only person in the world, Jesus would still have died for me. So he doesn't like love the whole world in a big lot. He loves us as individuals. But then God begins to write something else, and he doesn't write anything for a long, long time. So he starts off with laser, goes on to graffiti, moves on to tattooing, but now 
he goes on to doodling. Would you believe God doodles? He does. He does. He does. He does. And, and he moves from love to what we understand as grace. This is a, the most amazing concept, idea in the whole of the Bible. It's called grace. I'll tell you what was happening. These people, these very religious people, they were like the Taliban. They were called the Pharisees. They were very, very ultra-strict people. And you moved out of the way and, they, you know, they were awful. And they found this woman who committed adultery. And there's no question about it. She had done it. And so they decided to stone her to death. Can, and, you know, there's, a, there's some clips. Don't look at it. It's on YouTube of somebody actually today, these days, being stoned to death. It's really awful. And you just can't imagine. I, 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 somebody sent it to me and they said, if you're squeamish, don't look at it. Guess what? I didn't look at it. Awful. Well, 2,000 years ago, some people were stoning this woman. Now, remember, she'd broken the rules. Right? Because what do you remember? You remember God did the finger of fire? He said, you don't commit adultery. But she'd done it. So what happens? But God says, wait a minute. Even though you've done it, even though you've messed up, I still love you. I still care for you. And I can heal what you've broken. I can mend what you've messed up. And so these guys come and they start throwing stones at her. And obviously, she's, obviously, if anybody throws rocks at you, you're going to be hurt. And then Jesus just comes along, and he watches these guys with the stones and the rocks in their hands. And uh, he suggests that it may, it may not be a good idea what they're doing. So they look at him, and he goes down, and in the sand, because you know, it's in the Middle East, isn't it? In the sand, he starts to doodle. Doesn't say what he wrote, but it's the next time God writes. We don't know what he wrote. But the men who were the stones in their hand would have looked down. It might be he wrote down some of the sins that these people did. Because you know, when we point at other people, there's always three fingers pointing back at us, isn't there? Hey, when we start pointing other people's faults out, and they were pointing out what a terrible woman she is. Hey, wait a minute. And Jesus said, I'll tell you what, here's something. Let the person without sin, you cast the first stone. If you haven't sinned, you stone her. Well, it all went silent. And Jesus wrote again in the sand. Perhaps he wrote a, a room in a motel where one of those men had met somebody, but they didn't get found out, and this woman did. We don't know what he wrote. But they realized that what Jesus doodled on the ground, it's the only time Jesus wrote, made them stop. And it, do you know what it says? It says, from the oldest person with the stones to the youngest person, oldest person first, they just dropped the stones on the ground. Why the oldest? Because they'd done more things wrong. Because they'd live longer. And they were the least right. So God writes, how cool is God? He writes in laser and says, these are the rules. Then he writes in graffiti to say, hey guys, you've broken the rules. But he says, I still love you. I still love you and I still care for you. And you still matter to me. And then he introduces the thing about grace, that even when you break the rules, don't start pointing at other people. Get your own life right first. Now, I want to close now, though. But this word grace, I haven't explained it really, have I? Really well. Well, there's three words in the Bible that are important about when we do things wrong. Uh, they, one's called justice, one's called mercy, and one's called grace. Now, justice is, how can we put it? Justice is getting what we deserve. Now, when I get to heaven, I do not want justice from God. Because if I get justice from God and I've done wrong things in my life, I'm not going to go to heaven. So the last thing I want is justice. Because I'll go, to, I'll go to hell. So justice is no good for me. And in fact, don't look at me as if I'm such a terrible person. It's not good for you either. No good for any of us. Because we've all failed, haven't we? 
Now, mercy, just as getting what we deserve, mercy is not getting what we deserve. But grace is even better. And this is where I end with my little story. It's a true story. I was away, I go away preaching a lot, like I'm in your churches today and other places, other weeks. Anyway, I was away in Northern Ireland one time and I phoned up my wife. My wife's called Marilyn. And I said, hey, Mal, how are you doing? Is that everything? She says, no, we got robbed last night in the house. Got robbed. People come in. And we actually, she said, I was out with some friends um, because they knew you were away and they, we went out for a meal together. When I came back, I disturbed these, these thieves. And she said, the video, it was vid- a long time ago. When, remember videos? <laughs> hey? With DVDs now, wouldn't it? Probably would be some MacBook Pro or something now, but in those days, it's how old I am, videos. And the video was there and the telly was there and I don't know if something else was there. And they were just getting ready to take it all in the van and they ran away. Let's imagine. Let's imagine it wasn't Marilyn that was there, but imagine it was me there. Let's imagine that I actually went in and caught the guy. Let's imagine he was, I don't know, 17? 17 years of age. I get all this guy, he's got my DVD player in his hand. So there's no doubt to say, oh, wonder where this came from. You can't say that to me now, because I caught him. Now I say, all right, what you need, son, you need, guy, you, you, lad, you need justice. And I could take him to the police station. How many people agree I would be in my rights to take him to the police station? Everybody's with me, aren't you? It's justice. Why not? He's been pinching my stuff. He deserves to go to the police station. That's justice. Not very good justice because it's not a God. It's a God of the Old Testament word justice, but it still hangs around if we don't ask Jesus into our life because that's what we get, justice. Anyway, moving on. So what I think he says to me, oh, hey, mister, listen, I've never done this before in my life. I hand my hands up. I am stealing your stuff. I've turned your house over. I admit it. I'm not pretending I got lost here and all of a sudden I found this in my hand, right? I, no, I really have done it. And I've never done like this before, but I've had a lot of trouble at home, and I just, I just needed some money and that. You know, all my friends have got stuff, and I haven't got stuff, and I've not got a job. I said, honestly, will you never do this again? He says, honestly, so I'll never do it again. I said, what I'll tell you, come have a cup of tea, go home, we'll forget it. Now, that's not justice, that's mercy. Are you with me? That's mercy. So mercy is better than justice. But what would happen if... Now, wait for this. And you'll say to me, John, nobody would do what you're going to tell me. You're going to look at me now and say, John, you are stupid. No, don't say it. <laughs> don't say it to me. I mean, no, you're got, you are going to think the man is stupid. Where's he come from? What if I catch this guy with my DVD player in his hand, and I think I ca- it wouldn't be wrong for me to take him to the police station... Or it wouldn't be wrong for me to say, you'll never do it again, clear off, don't come back to my house, but don't steal my stuff. I say, what's your name? And he says, uh, my name's Tom. Tom, how about you, tell me about your mum and dad. I haven't got a mum and dad. But my dad left me when I was a kid and my mum went off with somebody else. So you've got no parents. Well, that's funny. You've got no parents and I've got no kids. Tom... Would you, could I adopt you? He said, wait a minute, you've just, I've been nicking your stuff. Yeah, but I haven't got any, you know, when I die, and when my wife dies, we've got nowhere to leave the money to. And you've got no parents, and we've got no kids. In fact, you, you know, you can be Tom Glass, that would put you off, wouldn't it, a little bit, by being adopted. But you, you, you have my name, and any reputation that I might have, you can share that. 
And when I die, everything that I've got is yours. You would say, nobody on the face of this earth would do that. That's what Jesus does when we get saved. Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And we haven't been stealing video records, but we've broken God's law. You know, the Bible says that, and th- you know, Paul, Paul said it at the beginning. He says, the daughters, you said the daughters, didn't you? You are my daughters. Say it. You are, the women say it. You are my daughters. Say it again, women. How do you get to be daughters of God? Because when you become a Christian, he brings you into his family. And if you're a guy, he says, now are you the sons of God. And the Bible says about inheritance that we become heirs of God and heirs of Christ Jesus. What an awesome God we've got. Hey, what an awesome God. So first time God writes, he gives the rules. Second God, time he writes, he tells somebody, you've broken the rules. The third time he writes, he says, I want to show you, I've tattered you on the, tattered you on the, na- on the palm of my hand. And there's a nail there because I went to the cross because I loved you so much. The only man-made thing in heaven. The fourth time God writes, he says, I love you, and I love you. I'm not just going to give you mercy. I'm going to give you grace. Everybody in the world, we all need grace. It's the greatest word in the Bible, grace, isn't it? So has God stopped writing? God hasn't stopped writing. Because this is what it says in the message. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. These are my notes to make sure I don't speak long. See how big they are? This is what it says in the message. You're hearing what I'm saying today. I wrote it down so I wouldn't get it wrong because I couldn't remember it. Your lives are a letter that anyone can read. That's the Christian. That's each one of those great girls who went through that. It says here, your lives are a letter that anyone can read just by looking at you. Christ wrote it. Wow. Jesus is still writing, Martin. Christ wrote it, not with ink, but he carved it into our human lives. So God is writing his love letter in our lives. God writes over our life. When we say, but he doesn't just do it to everybody. We've got to say, hey God, I've broken the rules. Lord, I'm sorry for breaking the rules. And Lord, honestly, I'm going to keep on breaking the rules because I don't have the power not to break the rules. But because you love me... You don't just offer me justice. You don't just tell me off. And you don't even let me off. You do something better than that. You bring me into your family so that I can live for you. And you haven't stopped with me then because all the time I grow as a Christian, you're writing new things in my life. Do you know, it's amazing. A friend of mine on the back row there, he was, um, he was telling me just before the baptismal service started. In fact, he's not on the back row. He's just a little bit further in. I don't want to point at him. He talks about how circumstances have changed. You know where you are. You know the story you've just told me. Circumstances have changed for you. And he said, uh, I'm into a new situation now, and it's a new chapter in my life. Do you know when they came out of that water? They started a new chapter, Gemma, in their life. And every day we become a Christian, God writes a new chapter in our life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving us so much. And Lord, we do make a mess of our lives and we're not alone. Everybody in the world has done it. And yet, Lord, you do love us. You don't stop loving us because you're our Father. And thank you for grace, Lord, because where would we be without it? We don't want justice. We don't want even mercy. 
you actually bring us into your family and help us to live for you. And you don't leave us there. And you're not a signpost pointing the way. You're a guide leading us day by day by your Holy Spirit. And, and it's not just for some of us. It's not for religious people. It's not for people brought up in church. It's not for young people instead of old people or old people instead of young people. It's not for rich people instead of poor people. It's not for black people or not white people. Father, it's for the whole world you loved us. Thank you for grace. And we want to live for you. And while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, can I ask a question? If you say, well, do you know, is the Bible that simple? Is it really that easy? Because, John, we all mess up, and I've messed up in my life, but I've never realized that God could actually give me the power to be different. And he can. It's, he promises that to everybody. If any person be in Christ, he becomes a new creation. And God writes new things on his life every day, on her life. And if you say, well, John, I don't understand all about this. It's a bit complicated, but I can understand it. I understand a little bit. At least I understand that I need God in my life. And I need to a power in my life that's bigger than me. I prayed that prayer once. And I've, it's changed my life. It really has. You say, I'd like to know more about that. And while heads are bowed, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you say, I believe there's people who got some literature to just help you for the next step. Whether you are a mature adult or whether you're a, um, a young adult a uh, young person, um, whether you consider yourself uh, a teenager or, or younger, if you say, God spoke to me today and I want to know more, we have some literature that after the meeting will be given to you. And if you want to say, I'd like to know more about that grace that God gives, just raise your hand where you are now. And when I say it, take it down straight away. It won't bring you out to the front. If anybody here wants to give their life to Christ, perhaps your friend got baptised and say, wow, that took some courage. I wish I had what she had. Well, if you want to know more about that, come and see me. Come and ask the past, one of the pastors or the person who brought you, your friend, and they will give you some literature. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love towards us. Thank you, Lord. You don't just love some of us. You love the world. And so, Father, we ask you in Jesus' name that as you speak into our lives now, don't let any of us leave this place today without experience what it means to have grace in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.